Well, good morning. Welcome, and thank you all for coming out this morning. Uh, The title to today's message is, We Shall Overcome. But before we go there, let's kick it off with something fun. There was this fellow called Dave. He was driving in his car on 101 between Arcadia and Eureka. Suddenly, he got a call from his wife calling her, she was calling him in in a panic, warning him. Dave, I just heard an alert on the radio. There's a car driving the wrong way on 101 between Arcadia and Eureka. I know, Dave said, I just saw that car. But let me tell you, it's not just one car. There are dozens of them. Well, when is the last time that you were warned or when you got a warning? How often are we being warned, but we either don't recognize it as a warning or we just plain don't want to hear it? We think we are just fine and we don't need any prompting. Well, let me illustrate this with an example. After the devastating fire in 2017 in Santa Rosa that uh, devastated and wiped out 5,600 structures, and after the fire last year in 2018 that destroyed the town of Paradise, California, PG&E filed for bankruptcy. But not only that, earlier this summer, they gave a dire warning that they would turn off all the power when fire conditions would warrant it. In all areas that are prone to wildfires in Northern California. Well, when PG&E made this announcement, most people right here in Humboldt County kind of shrugged their shoulders, thinking this is not going to affect us particularly right here on the coast, with the cool, moist coastal conditions. By the way, we have two power plants in Humboldt County, capable of covering most of the electrical load. So absolutely no need to worry. Most of us thought that we would be just fine. Or then, in the afternoon, on October 8th, PG&E sent out a power shutoff notification. It was based on red flag warnings of dry conditions and high winds and the inland, inland mountaintops. The power was going to be turned off at midnight for an unforeseen time in most of Northern California, including Humboldt County. Well, suddenly, chaos broke out. Long lines in front of gas stations, supermarkets, and sure enough, midnight came, and Humboldt went dark. 
and a complete silence set in. To those who had paid attention to the early warning signs, they were prepared and everything was okay. But for most who had ignored those warnings, found themselves scrambling for basic needs, like a cup of coffee in the morning, or some food, or a warm shower, or some gas for your car. Now, the question is, what does the Bible say about warnings? The Old Testament, there are a range of prophets, like Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. They all sternly warned the Jewish people at the time to turn from their wicked ways. The last book in the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. And after Malachi, there is a 400-year silence until Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, describes John the Baptist leading the way for the arrival of Jesus Christ. In the four Gospels, they record 37 miracles, 39 parables. They describe the life death, and resurrection of Jesus, capturing the good news message. But in Luke 21, Jesus gives six profound predictions, which today would be analogous with red flag warnings. Those warnings baffled and surprised the folks listening to him. But Jesus concludes with providing hope and reassurance. And in today's vernacular, we would say, we shall overcome. This brings us to the reading this morning, uh, which can be found on your pew Bible on, uh, on page 85. We're going to read Luke verses 5 through 19. But before we go there, I'd like to take a moment uh, to bow down in prayer. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light. In your truth, find wisdom. And in your will, discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'll give you a moment to look up the uh, Luke 21, verse 5. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. 
For many will come in my name and say, I am he. And the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurgencies, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first. But the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful warnings, and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you, and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons. And they will, they, you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. So Jesus said all these things only days before his crucifixion. He was in the presence of his disciples while they all were in Jerusalem. When he said in verse 6, not one stone will be left upon another, all will be thrown down, this warning proved to be spot on. Indeed, just a few decades later, in 70 AD, the Romans ransacked and plundered Jerusalem. Thousands were killed. And the temple came down, stone by stone. All that is left of the temple today is its foundation, which serves as the wailing wall, a place of prayer and pilgrimage sacred to the Jewish people. And on that same place where the temple once stood, the Muslims built a mosque, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, including the Dome of the Rock. And they built that way back in the 8th century. Then Jesus said in verse 8, For many will come in my name and say, I am he. And the time is near. Huh? For about 2,000 years, there have been many predictions about the time being near. Starting way back in the year 66, with the Jewish Essene sect of ascetics. They saw the Jewish revolt against the Romans in the year 66 AD to 70 AD as the final end-time battle. Then the French bishop, Hilary de Poitiers, announced that the end of the world would come in the year 365. 
Then, several centuries later, Pope Sylvester II predicted the end of the world in the year 1000. Then Columbus, in his book of prophecies, predicted the end times in the year 1658. Then Jim Jones. Remember Jim Jones? The founder of the People's Temple? Well, he predicted that a nuclear holocaust would strike and would be the end of the world in the year 1967. Then Pat Robertson predicted in the TV program that the the world would come to an end in the year 1982. And then most recently, we heard the story of Harold Camping of Family Radio Network. He predicted the final day would be May 21, 2011. Oh, guess what? Jesus was right. Many claimed to know. And many made predictions. And guess what? They were all wrong. Then he said in verse 10, Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Well, since those words, there have been countless wars. But there has not been But in no time in history has there been more bloodshed than during World War II. This was the epitome of the nation against nation prediction. According to the Bergenproject.org, an estimated 70 million people died between 1939 and 1945. And then he said in verse 11, there will be great Earthquakes. Doing some research, I found that the Geological Society of America, the GSA, classifies a great earthquake as an event exceeding eight and higher on the Richter scale. And according to a GSA report, the annual number of great eight and higher earthquakes nearly tripled in the last decade. Between 2004 and 2014, 18 earthquakes with a magnitude of 8 and higher were recorded around the globe. That is an increase of 265% over the average rate of the previous century that only held in 100 years only 71 of them. Then in verse 11, Jesus said, There will be dreadful warnings and great signs from heaven. This increased occurrence of these wildfires that we have seen in recent years truly makes one wonder about this prediction. And then he said, they will arrest and persecute you. The center of study of global Christianity based in Hamilton, Massachusetts, has estimated that 100,000 Christians die every year for their faith. And according to the World Evangelical Alliance, over 200 million Christians are denied fundamental human rights solely based on their faith. 
as one of the world's largest, three largest religions, Christians are the most persecuted of all. 80% of all the cases. While they make up only 33% of the world population. And then an organization called Open Doors. We have talked about Open Doors in the past. They published an annual world watch list earlier this year. And in that report, they reported 245 million Christians around the world experienced high levels of persecution for their choice to follow Jesus, including torture, forced conversion, murder, and genocide. Then in verse 13, Jesus said, This will give you an opportunity to testify. And some of the most moving and powerful testimonies come from Christians in countries where they are denied their faith. But they also come from very well-known public figures who come to Christ. The other morning... I heard a story about Kanye West. Anybody in this group heard of Kanye West before? Oh, yeah, there's a few of them. Well, this rap music artist is known for writing music with an array of expletives and vulgarity. But a few weeks ago, he released his newest album titled Jesus is King. Kanye West had a conversion. And he said in an interview, quote, my job is to spread the gospel and let people know what Jesus has done for me. There was a time I was letting you know what high fashion had done for me. But now I'm letting you know what Jesus has done for me. And in that, I am no longer a slave. I am a son now, a son of God. I am free. Well, since the release of this album just a few weeks ago, there has been a notable rise in Google searches for scripture, for Bible verses. And the American Bible Society jumped on this story. And they set up a link, abs.bible slash Kanye for anyone that is interested in receiving a free copy of a Bible. Well, ABS reported last week that thousands of Bibles have been sent out already. And then we have actor Anthony Hopkins. He once was an atheist, but he changed his view to embrace God's existence. He told an audience, at a recent public event, that at one time he struggled with alcoholism. And he called himself, quote, disgusted, busted, and not to be trusted. <laughs> but in that single question about God, changed everything for Anthony Hopkins. Last year at the annual LEAP conference, an event that focuses on leadership and success, Hopkins shared his testimony. 
Jesus concludes his warnings on a most inspiring and uplifting note in verses 18 and 19. When he makes the case for we shall overcome by saying the following words, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. In other words, despite false preachers, despite wars, despite an increase in great earthquakes, despite devastating wildfires, despite the persecution of Christians, there is a promise and an assurance that in Christ we shall overcome. Jesus said in John 3.16, Whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. And in John 11.25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Friends, a belief in Jesus Christ is the key to eternal life. Now reading the Bible, reading books, going to church, singing the hymns, all those things are good. But true belief comes when you start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate this with an example. A few weeks ago, I went to see a performance of Beethoven's violin concerto by the Eureka Symphony. Beethoven only wrote one concerto. One violin concerto, rather. He wrote five piano concertos, but one violin concerto. This violin concerto is truly a masterpiece. This violin concerto is one of my all-time classical favorites. And I have probably listened to this concerto on tape in the old days, on CD, iTunes, or YouTube over a hundred times. I love that concerto. But sitting in that audience, in the Artley Center, listening and watching the orchestra and Canadian soloist Leon Berbey playing that violin, witnessing that in person was such a thrilling experience, enough to give me goosebumps. Sitting there, I couldn't help but think of the difference between reading about Jesus or having a relationship with him ourselves. We can go to church. We can read books. Just like listening to that music on YouTube or iTunes. But nothing equates to being there. And watch and listen to a live performance. So it is when Jesus comes into your hearts. 
Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And to the Galatians he wrote in Galatians 20.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friends, Christ lives in the hearts of believers. He is amongst all of us in heart and spirit. Isn't this awesome? The person that we look up to is amongst us. Last month, we attended the PMA show in Anaheim. 30,000 people from the produce and flower floral industry attend this trade show once a year. It's an event that is recognized throughout the world. At the opening breakfast, the keynote speaker was Magic Johnson. He gave an inspiring speech. But rather than giving this speech from the main states, Magic Johnson jumped off the stage and started walking among the crowd. He spent the majority of the time walking through the audience while giving his life story, intermittently talking to members of the audience, signing jerseys, posing for some pictures. It was truly a unique experience. It's like that when you invite Jesus into your heart. He will walk with you and talk to you. Jesus said in John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, in Christ, we shall overcome when we believe deep in our hearts. Don't wait any longer. Start a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may ask, well, what do I need to do to make that happen? And here's the answer. Say this simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. I will repent of my sins. I will trust and follow you. And I accept you as Lord and Savior. Friends, no matter how bad the odds may appear, we shall overcome. Jesus will guide us through the jungle of life. And when that time comes, he will lead us through that narrow gate into the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.